I did. <laughs> <laughs> We're back, everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, you Woo. say that every time we do this. You know that? What? We're back, everybody. I know, because we're back. <laughs> I'm just saying what it is. So, yeah. She's Mary. And he's some guy. He's Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Mary Tyler and more. Your favorite mumble cast that you've never heard of. Yeah. Woo. Boom. Okay. Yeah. So we, uh, it is a new year. It is, in fact, a new year. Uh, which technically means, this is the last episode of of season two of season two it which is, is it is true year. you're very you're very right uh which which means if this is if this is the last episode then i don't have to change my greeting yet until season three in which case i will do but i don't need to do it right now so ladies and gentlemen gaties ladies <laughs> babies and everybody who identifies in between welcome to another episode of mary tyler and more your favorite mumblecast you've never heard of yeah brought to you by wandering unicorn productions uh guys Boom. What a freaking year it's been. 2022. That's what we can say, yeah. <laughs> out the freaking door. Here we go. Good riddance. Welcome 2023. Let's yeah. show me which way to the stage. I'm excited. I, I honestly think that this is going to be a good year. I feel it. Uh, right. And I, I know people say that every time, like, you know, when you get to the end of a year and you start a new one, like, I know. was, I was definitely skeptical with 2022. <laughs> right. But, I mean, like, but I, everybody always try to, tries to have that optimism right in the first portion of the year. Right. Like you're like, yeah, this is going to feel good. And you lose it in the middle of January. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to try not to lose it in the middle of January. <laughs> but, you know, I just think that uh, this year really is... Sorry, that was very loud. <laughs> I was going to say, you you chastised me for getting a microphone. I'm trying not I to. I know, it's okay. I just wanted my tea. I know. Well, as long as you don't spill the tea, that's what matters. Well, isn't that what we're here for? Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, literally <laughs> don't spill the tea. Because, like, you've got equipment that can That's can't... true. I do have expensive equipment yeah. in front of me. <laughs> Don't, don't spill the tea, literally. But I think <laughs> this year is going to, this is going to be really good because I think we have, you know, we're, we're now, I guess you could say, you know, coming up on three years post pandemic, right? So we've, we've worked our way through how to navigate this kind of new way of living and yeah, this weird life that this, we have. Yeah. And, and <laughs> now we're, we're figuring out how to, do things that we otherwise haven't been able to do before. And I feel like for me personally, I have such a, my toxic trait is stating an intention, right. And saying, this is what I'm going to do. And then like a new year's resolution, three weeks <laughs> after the fact, I forget it. And it's like, well, that's fucked. And now I'm not going to do that thing. Cause yeah, eh, I don't think it's really forgetting. I think we just give up. Yeah, we're, we're not. Resolutions that's, are not good for people. Yeah, that's the word. It's give up. It's because not, it's not. I know full not, well what it is. It's not you. It's literally everybody. <laughs> I'm the king of give up because I forget. Oh boy. Well, but I mean, you know what I'm talking. What I'm saying. Yeah, but I think that this is going to be a year that I, you know, 
every year I've started a new year with um, stating like some sort of New Year's resolution or some goal for the year. Yeah. And it's always something that I say that by the end of the year, I want to be able to achieve X, right? Boom. And for for some <laughs> people, that's the way that you do things, right? You set the intention at the beginning of the year and then people follow through with it throughout 12 months of a year. And then at the end, they can say, I was able to achieve X things. Yeah, goal setting. Exactly. If that is how you operate, I am thrilled for you. That's not how I, I figured out that's not how I do things. So I have to, what I've said for myself at the beginning of this year is that I am not going to set a goal by the end of this year to have accomplished. My goals are things that I can do every day. Things like show up for myself, show up for other people, show up for the things that matter and be present in moments and not let myself get distracted by other things. See, I love that because when you give yourself a goal, you also give yourself a way to fail. Exactly. Or a way out or a way to not. And then um, it just makes you feel worse when you don't follow through. Yeah, absolutely. And so I I feel like that's going to be the goal for this year is to not... <laughs> Excuse me, cough directly into the microphone. Um, it's better than last time. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's not to set a goal that is, this is going to sound silly, but tangible, right? Sure. Like a goal that is get out of debt, lose 30 pounds, you know, whatever it is. It is to just realize that life is happening, whether we plan for it or not. Yeah. And understanding how to roll with those punches when they show up. And to focus energy on things that make you happy and and make you feel good. Because otherwise, what are we doing with our time? You know? Yeah, 100%. So that, that personally, that's what I'm doing. So I don't know what, Do I it. mean, what are, I mean, did you set, I mean, I know we just <laughs> talked about the resolutions are not for everyone, but are there things that you are wanting to either work on or accomplish in this upcoming year? See, the funny thing about me in particular, uh, being the neurodivergent that I am, yes, I literally only exist in the moment. Right. Like, yeah, I can plan for things and I don't know. Like, it, I, I've learned that it's so stressful for me to be that way. Sure. That I need to stop doing that. <laughs> 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 because then I get uh, anxious and it just becomes a, a fucking never-ending cycle of feeling bad. Sure. That now I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to take it in the moment. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a plan. Like, obviously, we have, like, an overarching plan of what we want to do. Yeah. But, yeah, as of right now, I don't have anything on the docket. I mean, that could change. Yeah. You never know. And that's totally okay. And it's the idea that you are open to change and you are open to the possibility of whatever could happen to you. Yeah. And and rolling with information as you get it. Mm-hmm. And. I, I think that too often people take uh, or they try to over plan for everything that could possibly happen. Yeah. Or make themselves feel bad that they did X instead of Y. Absolutely. And that they're not they're not planning for 
every possible outcome. Yeah. And when they try to do that, they get overwhelmed with because with every possibility. Mm-hmm. Because obviously there is an infinite number of things that could happen. And trying to plan for all those things is absolutely un it's unrealistic. You can't yeah. do it. So, you know, just realizing the things that you have and be grateful for those things. Cultivate the things that matter to you, and then everything else that comes in is is secondary to that goal. You know, yeah, is I kind totally of, agree. Because that's the the thing that I've I've noticed about myself is, uh, like, every now and then I would make myself feel bad for having days where I couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. just because unfortunately that's just something I struggle with. Yeah, and you know. Good old having neurological issues. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you not in the booth, he did the whole like, you know, oh shucks arm type thing. And all I heard was the popping of your yeah, elbow. <laughs> my, I'm nothing but jangle bones. I'm clicks and pops everywhere. <laughs> I have a lot of nitrogen. I, I have fine joints and stuff. I don't get it. I don't get it. I make so much noise when I walk. I sincerely just can't. That's so funny. <laughs> it's hereditary. My dad's the same way. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, like, fuck, what were we talking about? Shit. <laughs> you took me off on a tangent and now I forgot. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. The last thing that we were ta- <laughs> the last thing we were talking about. Damn it! Was, I hate it when that happens. I know. Uh, the last thing that we were just talking about was uh, being present and not trying to plan for every single thing. Yeah, that could happen. that's what it was. It was uh, making yourself feel bad because I mean, like, yeah, there's that. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. I'm a hedonistic nihilist. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, personally, I don't see a point in life because, I mean, it's fleeting. There really isn't. I I get, I get how people feel. I'm not getting into that deep argument. <laughs> uh, no, because we, in the words of John Mulaney, we don't have time to unpack all of that. Exactly. No, it's just one of those things where it's like, even though life doesn't have a meaning in the the greater expanse of the universe... <laughs> and yes, doing I'm doing big, big arms. arms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it, right? But part of that enjoyment shouldn't be making yourself feel bad for doing something that you love, and right. that's where the hedonism part <laughs> comes in for me. <laughs> because I literally only do stuff that makes me happy. <laughs> See, and that's what I admire most about you is your ability to be able to do that. And I think maybe maybe it's the neurodivergence. Maybe it's I don't know what it is, but like it, it's literally the only thing I can do is self soothe. <laughs> and you know what? That I just imagine you as hedonism bot from uh, <laughs> oh, Futurama, oh, <laughs> like a fucking chaise lounge and eating grapes, eating grapes and pouring motor oil on your <laughs> naked metal yes, frame. Oil me. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I guess in the spirit of, you know, doing things that make you happy and and all that uh, kind of, you know, mode of thinking, I feel like that's a really great kind of transition into what we're going to talk about tonight. And this is, you know, this is going to be very different than any other episode that we've done, because this is the first time that I've truly sat down 
and I mean planned out the things that we're going to do at least for this month. And yeah, that, and, and month by month, I think is a great way of doing it. Yeah, and you know, not to say that everything I just said, you know, is just like thrown out <laughs> in the trash because like well, it's different well, when I'm trying you're to be doing present it. in the moment, and now I'm planning out an entire month's worth. The of difference stuff. is you're planning. You were talking about planning your life. Right, I was. You're this right. other part is talking about planning your business, which is different. Fair enough. This okay. All right, I'll give you that. But so you kind of have to have a point of plan for uh, that. A business plan? You don't need that. Whatever, that's fine. Um, but you know what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna talk about things that are gonna be changing with the show. And which we, I was thinking we can probably do that at the end. Yeah. But. Well, I know, but I'm just I'm I'm giving the people an opportunity to like get a little thing and you know they so they know like what's happening. I love your stage whisper. Yeah. Right. I could probably still hear that outside the cans. You probably could. <laughs> uh, you you always whisper to the people in the back of the house. <laughs> That's my training, baby. <laughs> my training, baby. <laughs> So the first thing that we have to talk about, though, the first thing, yeah, is our trip to New York. Finally, oh! after keeping everybody on the hook. Yes, I've mentioned it on one of my <laughs> other shows, and now we get to actually talk about it. Yeah. So if you don't listen to From the Top, <laughs> uh, we are in fact at you know at. Uh, from the top underscore podcast on Instagram. If you want to email us, it's podcast from the top plug, at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to have another show coming out called Mixology and Musicals, which will be in tandem oh, yeah. to that show. Because so, you guys, both you and Steven love to drink and we sure do. You love musicals. We sure do. So and you, <laughs> I will never forget a lovely little story, a little segue here. Oh, I love a so journey. Uh, is I will never forget when you guys were in. Uh, Spring Awakening, mm -hmm. that he came over with a ton of people. Everybody got hammered. <laughs> Shwasty-fasted. We sure did. We got hammered. You both stood in the kitchen <laughs> talking about musicals and drinks, and you had an entire whiteboard on our wall. We sure did. Filled with drink ideas that were based on all different kinds of shows. We sure did. And, like... I just remember it being like three in the morning and I'm like, get the fuck out of my house, everyone. <laughs> because you know me, I'm subtle. <laughs> it, it was that, yeah, it was right after we bought the house and it was, uh, yeah, it was that fall, I think. Cause yeah, we had the whiteboard up and yeah. we did, we did three nights we did and we called each one of them an act, act one, two, three. Maybe it wasn't spring awakening. Cause that's when we lived in our other place. Correct. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was still in that era cause the spring. Yeah. Yeah, it was like right we're after. We're still here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we took that and we, you know, Stephen uh, is the the brilliance behind all of these things. And so he's like, you know what? I want to make a show. We should do this. And I'm like, he's <laughs> yeah. the one that started from the top. He's the one that started Mixology and Musicals. And it's just, I mean. It's his passion. It like, really I, is. I truly love that about him. Like he is so passionate about musicals. And he's literally, his brain just works like that. And I'm just. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all plug aside, uh, I, it's, you know, something that we both kind of have a passion for. Yeah. And so. And it's a great show. If, if you haven't listened to it and you're kind of interested, at least try an episode. At least one. It's so good. Why not? Might as well. It's great. I love it. 
Well, especially uh, listening to Stephen talk about a show that he absolutely hates, but went off the deep end researching. We haven't gotten to a show that he's hated. He just okay. does not like Andrew Sorry. Lloyd Webber. Not hated. <laughs> He wasn't the biggest fan of Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Correct. Yes, this is very true. Phrasing. Phrasing. So, but now here's the problem. You have now diverted me, and I can't remember why I started talking about this in the first place. Because I know we're talking about our New York trip. Because you talked about our New York trip on From the Top. Ah, yes, on the two shows. Right. Okay, here we go. And we're back. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> So, At least we can eat, get each other back on the Exactly. <laughs> so what led us to New York, we are huge fans of the Try Guys. And so... Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, of course, the Try Guys went through a bunch of different changes this fall. And there was a lot of uh, kind of... All the moving parts ended up, you know, releasing one of the members. And so... Yeah, the whole Ned debacle. Yes. So we were kind of Google watching it that. if you have no idea what we're talking about. Please do. So one of the videos that the Try Guys did was Try Guys audition for Broadway. And up until this point, I had not really known about Beetlejuice the musical. I I mean, I... Like, we kind of talked about it when it came out. Yeah. Because, you know, we both love Beetlejuice. Oh, my God. We're huge fans. <laughs> huge fans. <laughs> like, I could probably go watch it... Uh, right now we'll probably just do it after we're done like Maybe. i mean i'm know. about it i just and... love that movie so much <laughs> and the animated show everything yeah. about it yeah and so the try guys did audition for broadway yeah and they went behind the scenes and they started you know they would show the entire process from talking with casting directors talking with alex timbers who is the um he's the the director of the actual show on broadway yeah it was like a whole um <gasps> like they me. had to actually audition for it they did have to audition for the show yeah but what they were auditioning for was you know obviously a very small bit part that only went on one night yeah it it was like a featured player yeah kind of thing yeah where they were just a um an extra yeah or sorry ensemble person excuse me ensemble <laughs> and watching this episode just tickled every funny bone uh, every theater bone i literally saw something unlock in mary's brain <laughs> it, 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 it literally it was alex brightman inside a box that yeah. just went what's up babe but uh yeah it was i don't know it was it was just, it was wild and so we watched that and then it just became this thing where it was the question that then got planted that went what happens if we went and saw this show what if i i will never forget you watched or we watched that together and we're like okay that's good you watched it again and you're like i don't know why i love this so much i'm like well Duh, you love theater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, this is true. We know this is true. It, it, because it was like watching uh, Two Worlds Collide because mm. we we love, uh, not all of YouTube, but we have our, our YouTubers uh -huh. that we follow. Yeah. And then uh, you love Broadway mm -hmm. and just theater in general. And then watching it come together, like I said, it, it literally broke your brain. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it unleashed that, that love of it that I haven't seen for a long time. Yeah. And it was great. Like, I just, I will never forget. You looked at me and went, you know what? 
let's go to New York. I'm like, what? You said, excuse me? <laughs> She's like, yeah, for Christmas. Let's go to New York. I'm like, well, I guess so. I guess we're going to go. And so I, you know, like I do, I start looking up tickets where we can stay. Is this possible? And then the uh, I follow Beetlejuice, uh, Beetlejuice Broadway on Instagram and they announced the show was closing. Yeah, that was the the thing that um, was kind of like what spurned it. Because we're yeah. like, yeah, maybe uh, in the future we'll we'll go and we'll see go. it. Yeah. And then there was a time clock put on it. Yeah, because they said <laughs> they're going to close and their last performance is on January 8th. Yeah. So I went, well, we have to go see this before it closes. And it was one of those things where I'm like, okay after watching everything with Alex and all that stuff and mm. knowing that he's like probably one of the only people who can do that voice mm-hmm. as much as he does yep. just because of uh, like a, a malformation in his vocal cords or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it allows him to be able to be gravelly mm-hmm. without any pain. Yep. Without damaging <laughs> any other part of his vocal nodes, vocal nodes, vocal cords. Yeah. Nodes are what you get when you damage your cords. <laughs> exactly. But it was, it, it, the idea of being able to go see this guy who we've seen in a YouTube video live on stage was just something that I didn't think that we were going to be able to do. I know. It, it, it still blows my fucking mind <laughs> that this just kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It literally like fell into place because fuck what, like a week or two after we saw it was a week after we saw it. A week after we saw, he got a fucking concussion mm-hmm. because they had to um, change the uh, staging. So something f- didn't work. Correct. Yep. So yeah. I follow the uh, the subreddit uh, r you know slash Broadway on Reddit, and so somebody. Of course you do. I, of course I do. So, you know, <laughs> looking through it, people were asking, does anybody know what happened to Alex? What happened to Alex? Because he posted on his Instagram, which for the longest time, he didn't have social media because that's a whole other story that you can actually go find on TikTok if you want to find <laughs> Yeah, he has a whole thing about it. <laughs> He's got a whole thing. But uh, so he posted on his Instagram and he said, I have sustained a concussion from the show. Uh, I'm going to be out. Until I can get an all clear from a doctor to be able to return. And this is really upsetting. So close to closing. But I need to rest. Go support your understudies. Go support your swings. Um, you know, because they're going to be the ones to carry the show. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking through trying to figure out what happened. Somebody had a cousin who is one of the um, one of the stage crew on the show. And something happened where the, so the stage, the entirety of the stage rolls in on casters, the whole thing. Uh, we can go into the tech on it. It's fucking incredible. I'm going to steal some screenshots from somebody's Instagram, probably Alex Timber's Instagram. It, and it's wild, yeah. the shit that they pull off in this. It's crazy. But at the if you look at the set, it's, you know, of the Maitland's house and the double doors open to the to backstage. And that's where a lot of characters are doing a lot of in and out. Yeah. Well, Alex had to do an exit through the doors. The doors wouldn't open. That's what it was. They had like a malfunction. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So he had to exit stage right. The exit that he had to use is where the sandworm makes its appearances. Which is a big fucking puppet. It's literally... <laughs> it's, it's a big puppet. It's at least... 
10 or 12 feet in the air and it's at least 20 feet long. Like it is. And it's probably heavy because it's, it's an animatronic. Yeah. And I so. I think it might actually be a real puppet. I don't know. I it, There's automation, but then I think there are also technicians that are back there to like actually like work. Yeah, thing. I bet there is because that would be a lot easier Holy than cow. having machines that can yeah. break. <laughs> but he ran off stage and he ran into the support for the sandworm. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't a normal exit, so he wasn't looking for it, and he sustained a concussion. And like I said when we were talking about it, I don't know if they got it spiked, because again, if nobody's... Running out that way. Running out that way, they don't technically have to make it safe. Yeah. I don't think... I don't know. I am i don't really know the, the safety protocols of that. Right. And I'm thinking that, yeah, it probably unfortunately didn't get marked Mm -hmm. by the glowing tape to actually show, hey, there's a ledge here. You need to be careful. Yep. And actually, uh, so Alex Timbers posted, he's been posting things on his Instagram up to the closing of the show. And one of the ones that he posted was a, the cheat sheet for all of the tech crew. It has all of the spike colors, the spike tape colors for every different thing. And the sandworm has its own color. So it, it it either wasn't spiked or he didn't see it. Something happened, but he sustained a concussion. But he went through the rest of the show yeah. and was able to be there fine, went through the bowels and did the whole thing. And then Christmas Day, they were closed. The following day, his understudy went on for him. And then, you know, he posted that thing on his Instagram and sure. he still hasn't been back. It's been him or it's been the understudy and the standby who have been going back and forth covering the role. And so for us, yeah, because it's a pretty intense role. (laughs) The fact that that man can fucking do it eight times a week blows my goddamn mind. (laughs) I do this bullshit like eight times a week. (laughs) Because it's a very active role. He is storyteller, dancer, singer. I mean, all everything. He's in almost every fucking scene. Yeah, there is. There's probably maybe two scenes that don't have him. He's constantly moving. Yeah, he's constantly dancing. Yeah. And and uh, singing, he's like, everywhere. It, it, everywhere, he's I'm, literally everywhere. It's it's an insane amount of work. So yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me that the understudy would be like, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but as as we know, standbys and understudies, they have to be able to at a moment's notice go on for. Ex- sorry, I mean sustainably correct having to do it right a ton. But so to know that we saw him, just makes my heart happy in a way that I truly can't describe because every person on that stage brought charisma and vocal prowess and acting prowess. Well, and, and we had two understudies when we watched it. We sure did because the, so the girl who plays the girl scout who was actually cast as the girl scout is the understudy for Lydia went on for Lydia and then the and she did a great fucking job. Dana Steingold, you don't listen to this show, but if you did, <laughs> sis, man alive. I'm not actually. I can't say that. Literally, everyone in that show was incredible. Yeah, it was so. It was so good. It didn't feel like there were any standbys or anything no, in it. Everything it, it felt just like flowed. it should have been. Yeah. And again, that I have to give it to Broadway. Yeah. Because with. A certain level of uh, theater are certain expectations. Oh, absolutely. And they have to be able to meet it. And they did. Yeah. They, like, that was oh. 100% worth it. And uh, to be perfectly honest, again, I know we uh, love, I love Sleep No More. 
I would have definitely went to go see it again. <laughs> we only had two actual days in uh, in New York. You don't but... say that out loud. Come on. You don't say this out loud. Yeah, I said you it do. out loud. It's true. <laughs> but I... I'm not holding it back. You know, the thing that I have to, that I have to remember is I have to be grateful for what we were given to be able to sit center orchestra, being able to see the show. (laughs) Only eight rows back. As it was. And taking that experience and locking it into my core memory and being very grateful for it. Yeah. But I... uh, I'm glad we weren't closer because apparently he's a spitter. He sure is. (laughs) I didn't want to be in the splash zone. (laughs) Well... So I binged the soundtrack, you know, of course, the month that we were going, <laughs> yeah. right? And, of course, after, because that's what I do. And we were... You haven't stopped, Mary. You're right. It's wonderful. We I love get, it. We get done with the show, and there was a guy that was behind us that, that once the... As the audience is, like, exiting out, they play, you know, the composition of all of the songs they've, you know, built into the exit or the, you know, the music that the audience leaves to. And so I'm singing every song that is, like, rock, <laughs> yeah. ro- rolling through the rotation. And the guy in front of us who is leaving turns around and looks at us as I'm, like, bebopping in my Beetlejuice jacket. And he goes, how many times have you seen the show? I looked at him and I said, this is my first time. He goes, no fucking way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You just love it that much. Because Alex Brightman, Carrie Butler, David Josephsberg, Dana Steingold, Elizabeth Teeter. Yeah. Like, all of these people are just absolutely unequivocally (laughs) theater people. Yeah. And more than just the idea that they put on a good show. Every anybody can put on a good show. Like you can you don't have to go to Broadway to see a good show. Yeah, you can you can have talent anywhere and you can put yeah, on a good show anywhere. Exactly. These people came together and they told a story that mattered to them. Yeah. So it mattered to me. And again, you can write it off because it's a it's a um or you, the general you. The general you. Uh can write it off because it's a comedy mm-hmm. and it's a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff. But it is actually a really good story. I loved it. It was so... It has a message. It does. <laughs> and, you know, the the message that... There are so many messages you can glean from it. Yeah. The one that I got, of course, not just because I have a huge crush on Alex Brightman and I think that he's, you know, an incredible actor. <laughs> but there is a through line of Beetlejuice that when you watch the film... You don't really get because you're you are consumed with the comedy with Michael Keaton with you know all of the star power yeah. that's on screen. Well, and that to me is kind of like a lightning in a bottle situation. Oh yeah, oh one thousand. Only because uh, like they only had so much of Beetlejuice figured out, mm-hmm. and then I'm sure it went out the fucking window. Oh, probably when uh, <laughs> Michael Keaton came on board because. Uh, I don't know if it was complete carte blanche, but uh, um, Tim Burton let uh, Michael Keaton completely improvise. Which speaks to his acting prowess to be able to yeah. do that. Uh, in a character that, A, no one knows. Like, it, it, it was a first. Yeah. The fact that he was able to create a character like that that's still being talked about today. Mm-hmm. That movie came out in 1988, people. <laughs> like, and... Uh, I love that when I said that we were going to that, my parents are like, of course you did. (laughs) Because I was the kid that watched it 
every day. Mm-hmm. It was the kind of movie that they would have to wake up to. Yep. <laughs> the bum 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 Actually, usually it was Deo. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they would wake up to. But it, you know, so this iconic movie that we have both loved, you don't ever think about the character trajectory of Beetlejuice, truly. At least I don't. Because, like, when you when you look at it... Well, because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, he's kind of a one-dimensional character. He is. He's trying to... He's trying to... He's on the other side of a fence. He's trying to get out. Yeah. Like, uh, his motivations are pretty clear. Yeah. He doesn't have a ton of development, but he doesn't have to. Like no. that in the movie, that's not what it's about. No, he is he is very of all of the characters, he is the one that is like that actually does the least subterfuge and is the most straightforward about what his intentions are. Like everybody exactly. else is very, you know, there there are multiple layers. The only other person who can really truly, I guess, be that way is Lydia, which is why Lydia, he and Lydia have that exactly. connection. And that's what I loved about the the show, the the stage play. Mm-hmm. They actually they they picked up on those things mm-hmm. and made them like uh, they they wove a story around yeah that kind of interaction. They sure did, and it was the the idea that when when you're sad, you become invisible. Yeah. And the opening number, the prologue, is called Invisible, right? Because oh, is that what it's called? It is, absolutely. <laughs> and and it, you know, Lydia is, the show opens with a funeral. And the show opens with the funeral of Emily Dietz. And see, that's the thing. They don't talk about that. They they talk about uh, Delia being her stepmom. Yeah, but we don't talk about what Delia was before that. Well, and we don't talk... A- and I that's what I loved is that they they made Delia into like a like an actual person. Yeah. Again, because unfortunately in movies you only have a certain amount of time, specifically in comedies. Yeah. Everybody has to be an archetype. Oh, one thousand percent. Unless it's have... a main character and they're <clears throat> supposed to go through a journey and right. change and all that stuff. Right. Everybody else is kind of a caricature of what's going on. Yeah. And Delia's that. She's the new agey. The uh, new agey artist. Artist. Yeah. And they don't really go into any more detail than that. No. In the stage play, she's not even married to Charles. Not until about halfway through the show. Exactly. Uh, So she's just um, like a self-help person that Charles is banging on the DL. (laughs) 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 Or spirit guide. Or not spirit guide. uh, Life coach. Life coach. That's what she's doing. But she's a life coach for Lydia. Yep. Because Charles thinks that Lydia needs it after losing Emily. Exactly. But Charles won't say Emily's name. She, no. He will not say her name, talk about her, none, to the point that one of the songs in the show is called Dead Mom. Yeah. That Lydia sings because she goes, you know, no one is saying your name. And it, it ties back to the prologue when she goes, you're invisible when you're sad. And nobody seems, nobody sees a thing. And, you know, when you die, that's that. You're invisible when you're sad. Yeah. And she talks about, is it selfish to want somebody to see me and say 
my name. And see, that's a through line with the show mm-hmm. because it's that's what connects Lydia and um, Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. That's all they want in their life is someone to say their name. And to be seen. <laughs> and to be seen. That's it. <laughs> and before the song Say My Name, Lydia has written her suicide note. Yep. And she's on the roof and Beetlejuice is singing, you're invisible when you're me. No one can see my truth. If they could look <laughs> up, they'd see somebody's on the roof. Exactly. And that that's where it comes into um, being a part of the, uh, or connected to, I guess is the best way to put it, mm-hmm. uh, the animated show. Yep. Again. Absolutely love the animated show. (laughs) But uh, because instead of uh, Lydia and um, Beetlejuice being married, Mm -hmm. because that was the whole thing, the green card marriage in the the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which was also in the show, in that too. It is. Uh, That whole scene is. Excuse me. But, yeah. So it, it... boils it down to they're so similar mm-hmm. in their wants and needs yep. that they become best friends. Yes, they do. And so the fact that they brought that into the show, I really loved. It was so it was cool to see the dynamic of these two outcasts that are both wanting nothing more than to be seen and for somebody to acknowledge their existence to then have them go through you know, the song Say My Name, where which is the same, the scene in the film when Winona Ryder sees him <laughs> yep. at the, you know, the dance club or whatever. <laughs> and they're doing the Beetle Breakfast, Beetle Beverage, Beetle Drink. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> dance club. Mary, it's a fucking It's a whorehouse. <laughs> I get it. Okay, fine. But so they're having this conversation on the roof and he goes, you know, don't you want to see your dad suffer? I can do this for you. All you got to do is say my name three times. That's it. <laughs> so they go this back and forth, back and forth, right? And and Lydia goes, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I bet I can do this myself. She pushes him off the roof. He's dead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they get to Deo, right? And we, you know. It's still my favorite scene in that entire movie. Oh, my God. Which then became. And they did a great part of it. Or they did a great rendition of it in the show. In the show. show was so good. Because they actually sing Deo. Like the entire cast does. They do. And they're all getting possessed and doing all, all of the, you know, same stuff that you see in the film. But then, yeah, but much better dancing. Oh yes, one thousand percent. But then, you know, again, like in the film, Charles goes, "Oh my!" Or Maxi Dean goes, "These guys are going to make you rich," and Charles goes, "Oh my God, yay! This is great." And Lydia says, "Well, no, fuck this noise. That's not what I wanted. There's only one way to solve this," and she lets him out. Yep. And then they get to have this moment together where they've scared everybody out of the house, right? They now see each other. They can say each other's name, right? There, here we are. <laughs> but then, you know, the the relationship instantly shifts, and and Lydia goes, eh, "Maybe this isn't really what I wanted." And PJ's like, "Well, you can't go back now because I'm already genie's out of the bottle, kid." Like. <laughs> You know, bait and then and s- it's the oh shit. It's <laughs> what the oh do I shit do moment. Now? Yep. Bait and switch, oldest trick in the book, right? Yep. And then they they go through this really big, you know, dark kind of like pitting against each other. And then in the end, they 
technically do vanquish him, right? They do, you know, end up like defeating him. Technically. But then that sends him off into his own journey of figuring out, you know, he was a millennia old demon yeah. that then was alive for three minutes <laughs> and then ends up back in the netherworld, right? But it's it's calls back to that core idea of when you're sad, people don't want to deal with you because they don't know how. So you become invisible until you can figure your shit out and then you become seen again. Exactly. And how people can commiserate with one another in the shit when you're sad. That's the only time you get seen is when you find another person who's sad. Yep. And I don't want to bring the mood down, but I have a feeling that's probably why you've connected to this show as much as you have probably because I know everything that's happened to you in the past has probably kind of resonated with that. Yeah. Cause when you lose someone, it that's how you feel. Well, and you know, I, I can't remember if I said this to you or not, but uh, you know, the first, the opening number starts and I'm instantly in tears. Oh, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> but not because it was a funeral of a mom. It was because I got to sit in a, in a theater. Yeah. It was like overwhelmed tears. Yes. On 45th street in, in downtown New York. Yeah. <laughs> watching a show that I, and, and an art form that I have dedicated my life to. And, you know, I I didn't sing along because I was respectful, but I did mouth a lot of the words because I knew them. But, see, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt. You're okay. Uh, that, that was the difference watching a show there versus watching a show here in Montana. Mm-hmm. Where, not that people don't enjoy shows, but a, it's a 50-50 audience usually. Yeah. On uh, sometimes it's people who are drug there or yeah, like they don't resonate with it usually as much. No, it it's a grab bag. Yeah, because there are those diehards that go to every show and they they actually like connect with what the show is. Yeah, that was the major difference there. Yeah, there was a a huge vast uh like array of different people. Yeah. But the fact that you weren't the only one who dressed up like Beetlejuice <laughs> was awesome. Yeah. Because that just shows you, like, it's a completely different dynamic there. Yeah. And that's what I loved about it. Like, you, yeah, there were a couple people around us that are like, ugh. But it's like, that's how they're always going to be. Unfortunately, I can be <laughs> a bit much. <laughs> they got very mad at me and I how loud I was. Lot. Yeah, I was kind of loud. We're loud people in the theater because we engage. Yeah. And that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're supposed to engage unless it's not the moment for it. Yeah. But it's a comedy show. You're supposed to laugh. And you're if you supposed to interact. Yeah. If you don't laugh, then y- get out. <laughs> exactly. Go, go, go find another show to watch. This clearly is not your show, which is yeah. fine. And there weren't that many people in that audience. And if you watch something like that here, it would be like, I mean, look at fucking Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. And uh, Spring Awakening and all of those really powerful shows yeah. that you've done. Yeah. You had people walking out in the middle of them. Oh, yeah. Not even like three numbers into the show. They're like, bye. <laughs> because. <laughs> I'm not sitting through this shit. <laughs> a lot of people here don't want to have to deal with that. No. And that, no, okay, they uh, that's all well and good. You're well, you're within your right to do that. But why did you go to do it? 
And the, the thing that Steven and I have talked about on, you know, on the show is sometimes shows don't have to have a moral that gets shoved down your throat. No, that's not the point of them. No, but, but when it does, it's important that you respect the people who are trying to put it on. Exactly. And you respect the people who are trying to appreciate it. And... I, you know, I try really hard not to be an obnoxious theater goer, but when, when something makes me so excited like that, I, you know, I do the woohoo, like I do that. Exactly. You're interacting with it. Yeah. Because it's what it calls for. And it's a live show. That's what. Yeah. That there's, that's the difference. Like when you're in a movie, it's a little different because it's a very passive experience. Right. It's already been recorded. It's not something that can change on the fly. Exactly. You're actually, you're interacting with energy that people are putting out on stage. Yeah. And it's a completely different medium. Yeah. And you charge them up just as much as they charge you up. And that that's the beauty, di- the beautiful dichotomy of what going to a live show is. Yeah. And I, you know, it's not like I was screaming for God's sakes, but like clearly. No. And again, you weren't the only one doing it. Correct. But the people who were right <laughs> next to us were very unappreciative of my enthusiasm, which is fine. I don't care. Eh. But at the end of the day, that was the the highlight of my year yeah. was not only being able to go see this art form that I have dedicated my life to, but seeing it with somebody who appreciates <laughs> it as much as I do and was okay with me being extra about the fact that it was an art form that I love. Exactly. You were, uh, you were losing your mind over... Everyone, like, and how they were, like, pushing it on stage. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was looking at the setup, like, how the fuck did they program all of these lights? <laughs> <laughs> I think there has to be well over a thousand light cues in that show. It, oh, I, that's on the low end. Yeah, at least. We're yeah. talking about at least, like, 150 to 200 specials. Yeah. If not more. Yeah, I mean, there were at least 40 lights that, you know, outlined the stage that became, you know, strobes at any point during the show. Yeah, that that was one that was a little much for me because they pointed into the audience. Yes, they did. Which, it's again, it's a magician trick that you do. To blind your audience and cut the lights. And not only does it disorient you, it stops you from realizing what's going on on stage. Exactly. And that's how the magic happens. (laughs) Well, and that was the, the beauty of the, of the end of act one when we Beetlejuice has scared everybody out of the house and he and Lydia are standing there and his last line is, well, kid, we're not invisible or looks like we're not invisible anymore. (laughs) And the music crescendos, all the lights flash and everything cuts out on the last bump bump. (laughs) And it was, it was about the most powerful moment up until that point of my theatrical life. Cause I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I, I can't function. What just happened? They're gone. They literally were gone. And it, it was, it was the, it was the easiest trick to do, but yeah. it was the most effective because yeah, it did exactly what it was supposed to. And <laughs> I am already planning our second trip to go back to New York to go do a thing. Steven and I are planning on a from the top trip where from the top oh, takes Broadway. Oh my God. Could you imagine like just doing videos and stuff? That would be so much fun. We, uh, Steven has already planned on us taking a week long trip to New York and we're going to go see four shows and we're just going to do four episodes. Fuck yeah. And we're just going to do the thing. 
so, I mean, putting all of it together, it was just, it was by far the greatest experience, I think, of my life up until this point. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, Stephen and I are going to do From the Top Takes Broadway, which I think will be really fun. <laughs> that would be fun. But it showed me that storytelling still matters. Theater still matters. It it made me so happy to see a group of people come together to tell a story and to tell it well, to tell it with purpose. Yeah. And to watch a family really just go through the pains of losing someone and then... And not talking about it. And not talking about it and feeling like you're re- being replaced or that it, you know, Charles has a line in there because Lydia goes, you never say her name. You never talk about her. You know, yeah. she was my whole world and now she's gone. And he he goes, you know, you're not the only person who lost someone. I don't say her name because it hurts too much. Yeah. And she goes, well, you're just telling everybody to move on. And he's like, that's all I know how to do. And then they come to this resolution where they go, can I talk, dad, can we talk about her? And he says her name and he goes, we can talk about her anytime you want. And then they end the show and or that, that leads into the final, the finale of act two. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, of the, of, of any show to choose as the first one for our first Broadway <laughs> experience. It was perfect. I'm so fucking glad we did that. Well, and not only because we kind of went off on a, a tangent, which I'm really glad we did about the show, because it was such a really cool experience. But I have to say, just going to New York in general, not to sound like a fucking hick, but... Are you about to sound like a hick right now? I don't know. Probably. It was just a really <laughs> cool... <laughs> it's hard not to. I'm a Montana boy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But uh, oh, it was Jesus. cool being in a place like that. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people can't do a ton of people around them. I mean, I obviously can't very often. But you rocked up like a champion in New York, so I don't know how you managed to do that. Well, what I was going to say is it's completely different Yeah, in that's that. True. Like, that's, that's why I like big cities. Because here, you're supposed to make connections with everyone. Yeah. It's just, you know, the nice, quote unquote, nice thing to do. Well, and the town is so small that, like, you can't afford not to, I guess. Yeah. And I get it. I totally understand it. Yeah. But that's not me. No. I mean, uh, just from all of my... Everything that I've talked about. I, I'm not good in social situations. And small talk is not my thing. I love you. So when people want to make that connection with me, I always seem like a robot, but I'm not. Yes. Just because that that's not me. Correct. So being in a place where that's not expected of you was so freeing. It was wonderful. <laughs> where you could just be a part of the crowd. Yep. You... Uh... <laughs> It was wild to watch you as somebody who does not do the people thing. The fact that we were able to walk through Rockefeller Center through people who were literally shoulder to shoulder on the (laughs) street. Well, and just Broadway in general, 
in Times Square. Holy Holy cow. shit, that was a lot of people. But you know what? We saw a seven foot tall drag queen dressed as Santa Claus. I know. With sparkly shoes, and I was very about it. It was wonderful. I was very about it. But watching you be able to do that and navigate your way through the sea of people, mainly I think it's because you, since you don't like direct eye contact and things like that make you nervous Yeah, in New York where everybody is on their own trajectory and they're all just going different places. You fell in with that. (laughs) It's so easy. Like a fish into water. You just went because everybody else is going in their own direction and nobody's watching you. Nobody's paying attention to you. Nobody. I mean, it sounds bad, but nobody gives a shit, right? They're only out there doing their own stuff. And see, that's why I'm completely different than most people because everyone wants that connection. Like, Yes. They need it in their life. That, that's that's I don't know if it's a neurotypical thing. I don't know. I mean, it might be. Maybe. But anyway, it, it yeah, it's completely different because, like, I choose the people I want to have connections with. Yeah. And I don't want to have to be forced into that because right. of any sort of societal norm. Right. So, yeah, being able to do that without having to do that. It was wonderful. Yeah. It was, it was super cool. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, and we did all the things. Like we went to the top of the Empire State Building. We sure were t- t- <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Tyler tried to fight off the call of the void by, you know, wanting to throw himself off. Well, because we went to the tippy top. We sure did. We didn't just stop at the observation deck. We went to the tippy top. Yeah, went went literally to the point that through the glass elevator. Yeah, that you hold on to the railing on the inside and can feel the building shifting with the wind. Well, and again, you said you couldn't. No, I it felt a little bit. You could feel it a little bit. Yeah, no. Uh, me being clued into things that most people don't notice, I felt everything and it was terrifying are you one of the navi that can just feel when the earth moves probably oh fair enough all right (laughs) i mean i felt that earthquake that we got before it even happened remember um well i guess you weren't in the bedroom back when we like first moved into the house yeah oh i woke up out of a dead sleep you sure did i remember that any of the shocks happened and i was like wait what the fuck is going on and then it instantly happened and yep. i was like whoa and the entire house just and it was terrifying i'm like a dog apparently you are and uh <laughs> or a cat. i or guess a cat, a cat is I probably more apt but being being right there in times square was such a cool... Yeah, so where did we where did we stay, Mary? So it was where a did pla- you find a place? It was a place called the Oyo, the OYO Times Square. Yeah. And it was I wanted somewhere that was close enough to the Marquee Theater that we could walk there without needing to rely on an Uber, a taxi, whatever. And we Yeah, were... we only had to do uh Ubers uh well when we went to sleep no more, but that's because it was so far away. Correct. And then we went to and from the airport, but And the airport. Yeah. But we were within, you know, we were on 47th Street, the theater's on 45th Street. So, you know, yeah. we we didn't have to go very far to do that, which was cool. Um, well, and most of the stuff, like most of the big things, besides like the Statue of Liberty and all of that other stuff. Right. It's all pretty close to one another. Yeah. A lot of it is right there. And yeah. that was, I guess, in, in my mind, the first thing that I wanted to do was I knew that the show was priority. So I wanted to get us a place that was close. Yep. But then I also wanted to get us somewhere that if we were to just walk around, we could find stuff to do. And we did. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, going into... 
going into Radio City Music Hall or walking oh. by Radio City Music Hall and then going into the uh, the NBC building. Yeah, was... we went into Rockefeller Center. Oh, it was <laughs> we, so cool. We went in and I love admitting this because I don't think we were supposed to be where we were, but oh, nobody no. stopped us. We came out the wrong side <laughs> of the building. We went out the, the employee entrance. We sure without did. Without even knowing because they don't have anything. You can literally just walk in. yeah. yeah. And there was an entire line of people as we were walking by, uh, walking through the gift shop. There was an entire line of people that was standing there too, uh, waiting to go in to see um, Late Night with Seth Meyers. Yeah. And they were going to be the audience members for Late Night with Seth Meyers. And it, it's just, it's cool for me to see things that are, you know, produced that you like watch out in the world. Yeah. And then coming in to be able to see how those things happen is just so fun fucking cool and and being in the same building as all these things getting recorded and this content being created was just otherworldly to me and i feel like the next time we go back we have to be an audience member on one of those things well i was gonna say i i'm sad that we didn't do it i know uh because there was that comedy central guy that kept walking around and i really wanted to be like okay do you want us to come see a comedy show? Because I'm I'm fucking down. Because I will fucking come. See I don't a care who it show. is. I'll fuck. I'll be a plant. I'll, Let's I'll go. Be, I'll be a fucking audience member in a comedy show. I don't. Oh care. my god. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what we have to. Those are the things we have to plan for next time because like. You know, obviously only having been there for really two full days and then the other two were travel days. Yeah. It, it was it was hard to be able to pack everything in into one thing. But the... Well, especially with us, because that's a two-hour time difference. It sure is. So it so completely throws off your body clock. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as when I went to Australia. Oh, but... no. Where you relive the same day twice? <laughs> <laughs> I was in a fucking, like, zone... Like, I was zoned out for at least four days. Obviously. I, it, I couldn't, yeah. Oh, I was out of it. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that that's what threw it off a little bit. We yeah. had later starts. Yeah. Because again, our bodies were ready oh, uh, yeah. two hours behind. Yes. Correct. <laughs> when it was. Oh, God. But, you know, I think. But we that... were in the city that never sleeps, so Exa- it didn't matter. Exactly. It didn't matter. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like the next time we go back, now we've got, we've, we haven't, we have our foot in the door, right? We know kind of where a couple of things are. Now we get the opportunity to be able to actually, like, like explore stuff. Yeah. Well, and I really didn't want to go see Central Park when it was cold. No, nah, I want to go when it's dead. warm. Yeah, I got to go in the, in, the, in the summer or the fall. Yeah. I want to at least see the leaves. Yes. Or I want to see green. Yes. Not, you know, just uh, trash and snow. (laughs) (laughs) Which, honestly, I'm shocked at how clean it was. I mean, obviously there are, you know, with New York having, what, like 5 billion people (laughs) that live in New York. I I don't know if it's that much, but... I'm I'm being facetious. It's a lot. It is. It's a fucking lot. (laughs) A lot of things are under construction pretty much all the time. But they... (laughs) That was the thing I forgot to mention. In our hotel room, they mm. gave us fucking earplugs. Yeah, because right in Times Square, they were working on a building. And so they're like, yeah, Times well, Square that be loud. And... They're like, Times Square is loud in general. Yeah. I mean, fuck, we heard uh, um, Mariah Carey's... Uh, um, all I want for Christmas all is I you. All I want for Christmas. <laughs> uh, like, literally pounding. Yeah. 
And that was in a fucking rickshaw. I yeah. still don't know how the hell they had a good enough sound system to do that. Well, and what's funny to me is that, like, I actually slept through the night pretty fine. Like, I didn't really... Yeah, but he- you can. You're right. I can fall asleep pretty much anywhere. It's I don't have narcolepsy, but I probably should because of how easily I can fall asleep. <laughs> you can literally... Uh, without even knowing it, you fall asleep Fuck, immediately. It was bana- bananas, but it, but it was it was an an experience that I am grateful that we had. I'm super excited to go back and do again. And I now that we have our foot in the door, we kind of know next time the things that we want to do because we've yeah. already done a couple other things. And you know this this experience has absolutely made me remember what being a theater kid means what being a creator means what being an artist means and it's it's really kind of given me this new fire of you know wanting to to pursue those things again and you know i think that is kind of an excellent segue into you know what the show is going to turn into next season yeah and um with our next episode in the new year yeah and which technically this will be coming out in the new year but correct yeah but i mean you know it's it's something where i'm super excited for what this is going to be because we're going to kind of focus in on things like we're going to take each week and instead of just kind of talking about, you know, whatever it is that's kind of on our minds, yeah. we're going to, we're going to focus this a little bit and we're going to start talking more about things that you can watch, things that you can listen to and things that you can read. Not that we don't already, but I mean, we're, I don't know. I want to focus more on that stuff. Yeah. I love talking about it. Yeah. And it's it's something that we're that we're both passionate about because we're both artists and we both love doing this thing. And I think it's just it's gonna be a really good turn for the new year to try to give us give us a little focus. And yeah. there are a lot of really fun things that are gonna be happening that we're super excited to share with you guys when they happen. And you know, in the spirit of the new year, uh, you know, bringing it right back to the beginning, the whole new year, new me thing is something that, I mean, if you believe that good for you, but I feel it's more appropriate to say new year, same me, but working to improve. Like there's always something that you can be better at. There's something that you've forgotten that you can go back and and do again. And that's going to be this year for me is for, for me, I'm rediscovering why theater is important to me and why performing is important and there are we're already making some moves to do those things. Exactly. And on uh, that note too, we're finally bringing uh, Prevera's of Fine Filth out out of uh, out of the dumpster. Yeah, out of cryostasis. <laughs> we're we're focusing more on the things that we have. We're going to make them regular, and I, so it's not this thing of every time we start the show, it's like, hey, we're back after. Meh. No, and we we have committed time. Yeah. To be able to make this happen because we love doing it and the people who are listening, if you love listening to us, keep doing it. We want to, we want to make that content for you because I don't know. I love doing this. Yeah. I love it too. And I, I think that this is the year to rediscover the things that you love. Exactly. And also, uh, just to be that guy, um, when you say new me, it always makes me think of uh, Ryan. I know I already made this reference in another episode. Oh, God. But Ryan in the office. Oh, that was old Ryan. 
This is Ryan 2.0. And then in the super fan edit with uh, Kevin giving him shit on that, he's like, oh, sorry, was that uh, yours? Sorry I threw it out. That was old Kevin. <laughs> this is this is new Kevin. This is new Kevin. And that's how I always feel about it, where it's like you can't just say that you're someone new. Yeah. You're always going to be you. Yeah. But you always have a chance to change. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily make you a new person. That just makes you a better you. Yeah. And who doesn't want to be a better you? Yeah. Or you could also be a worse you, but I would say that's probably not a good idea. That's not a good idea even a little bit. <laughs> Backsliding is, should be a sign that you need help. <laughs> yes. And on that note, uh, I think that, that 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 does us, I think, for this episode. And a big thank you again to everybody who has stuck with us since the beginning. Yeah. And for the new people we've acquired along the way. We and love you all. And we, we hope to see more of you. We do. And for those of you who are just joining us, uh, know that there are some really fun things that are coming. Uh, again, we've got a lot of other shows that are brought to you by Wandering Unicorn Productions. If you want to check them out, please do so. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to connect them all in Apple Podcasts, but mm-hmm. I think you can only have a certain amount in a channel. Yeah. Which, of course, I mean, that's fine. But uh, if you want to follow us on social media, please do so at but Wandering. You can, you can uh, look us up in Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You'll find us. Absolutely. You can find us online at uh, on Instagram at Wandering Unicorn Productions. Uh, our email address, if you have uh, questions or things that you want featured on the show, WanderingUnicornProductions at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, and I promise I'll start checking it more. <laughs> And uh, thank you to Anchor for allowing us the ability to be able to do this just kind of on the fly whenever we want to. And from our weird house to your weird house, uh, 2023 is going to be a great year for everybody. So we are super stoked for what the year will bring. Seriously. And until next time, this has been Mary Tyler Moore, your favorite Mumblecast you've never heard of, a Wandering Unicorn production. Bye, everybody. Bye, We love you. We love you.